Well, good morning. I'm Pastor John. I'm the campus pastor over at New Life Church Gladstone, and it's great to be here. Uh, the last time I came before you guys to preach was uh, a week before we went into COVID lockdown. So um, I'm excited to, to be here in front of you guys and be able to see you all uh, again. And I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do in our time together today. So if you would, open up your uh, Bibles to Lamentations. We're going to start in chapter 2. And then we're going to jump around a little bit, including going to Jeremiah, which will be back to the left one book. So as, we're, as you're doing that, I want to tell you guys a story uh, that I heard from Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson's a Christian author. Um, many of you are probably familiar with him. He tells a story about a friend of his who's going through a rough patch. Um, his friend has all sorts of personal, marital, and vocational trials. And so he had visited a counselor, and the counselor told him, you need some specialized treatment, and it's only available in New York City. So the man would travel to New York City on the weekends for a certain kind of treatment. This treatment was called scream therapy. Now, if you've never heard of this before, I hadn't, it's where an individual will go and pay money to be locked in a room, a soundproof room, and for entire weekend will just scream and scream and yell and just vent all the frustrations and angers and pain just to get it out of their system. All right, somebody will deliver them food. It's not, you know, a torturous thing. Then when they're done, they go home and the idea is, is that they've let it all out, so it should be all better. Peterson's friend said it was like a thunder and lightning storm and then the clouds breaking and the birds chirping and everything was better. His friend said it was great. You know, for a few weeks, he felt great. You know, everything was changed. The problem was, was that over time, he had to turn more regularly because all it did, it might have been cathartic, but it wasn't healing the problem. He expressed this to Eugene Peterson, and Eugene Peterson said, you know, actually it would have been better if you'd have locked yourself in your house and read the book of Lamentations and Isaiah 53 over and over and over again. That would have actually healed you all you did was just let your rage out. And so as we look at Lamentations, Lamentations is scream therapy, not to the void, not to a soundproof room, but to God. It's taking our cries to God. And so as we look at Lamentations, this is giving us a clear picture on how to do that and how to do it well. So our big idea for today is that God brings everything about wants us to take our complaints to him. So God, who's, who's the one that's the originator of everything, wants us to tell him complaints. And our goal here, as we look at this, is to figure out how to voice our feelings to God and yet continue to believe in him and have a relationship with him. Even as I, I hear that word complaint, I know connotation to it. And we're going to have to work through because the Bible does say that we are to bring our complaints to him. So let's start in Lamentations chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. Starting in verse 1. How the Lord in his of Zion under a cloud. He has cast down from heaven to earth the splendor of Israel. He has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up without mercy all the habitations of Jacob. 
In his wrath, he has broken down the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought down to the ground in dishonor the kingdom and its rules. He has cut down in fierce anger all the might of Israel. He has withdrawn from them his right hand in the face of the enemy. He has burned like a flaming fire in Jacob, consuming all around. He has bent his bow like an enemy, with his right hand set like a foe. He has killed all who were delightful in the eyes of in the eyes in the tent of the daughter of Zion, he has poured out his fury like fire. The Lord has become an enemy, like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up all its palaces. He has lain in ruins its strongholds, and he has multiplied in the daughter of Judah mourning and lamentations. So right here in these first five verses, we see 17 complaints, 17 grievances listed by Jeremiah, all on either something God has done or something God has failed to do. Now, this is not just isolated to Lamentations 2. It's actually throughout Lamentations. Next week, when Scott teaches from Lamentations 3, just the first 16 verses, there are 12 specific complaints. So this book of Lamentations could have easily been titled Complaints. That's what this is. See, Jeremiah is on to something. When something bad happens and we have grief, it's very common to complain. We saw this with uh, Jesus and Lazarus. Remember, remember uh, Mary and Martha call for Jesus because Lazarus is sick and dying. And Jesus comes, but he comes later than Mary and Martha had wanted. And the first thing Mary says when she goes, or Martha says when she goes up to him is, where were you? Not, hi Jesus, good to see you. No, it's, where were you? Why did you delay? Martha goes even farther and she says, if you were here, you would have, he would have lived. Why? Don't you love him? So we see in the Bible examples of complaints and we also see how to complain as we dig into this. Asking, grieving, questioning, taking our thoughts to God and asking him what is going on. So as we do this, we need to make sure we understand the context of where we've been. So if you were here last week or if you missed last week, we're going to do a quick little run through. So the book of Lamentations written by Jeremiah was in response to the destruction of Jerusalem, which was like the final domino, if you will. Remember, Israel, the nation of Israel had been split in two, 10 tribes in the north, two tribes in the south. The north had been conquered by the Assyrians. The south was now being conquered by Babylon. And they had circled Jerusalem, and they had put a siege on Jerusalem, and then they broke down the walls, they killed the people, they destroyed the temple, and they carried them off into bondage. So this is the context that we're in here. So this is lamenting the fall of Jerusalem. One author calls the book of Lamentations a funeral for Jerusalem. Lamentations is broken up into five chapters. Each chapter is a poem with the exception of chapter five, and they all kind of repeat and go over the same stuff over and over again. So as we teach through it here at New Life, we're going to do themes. So last week was kind of the introduction to what is lament. Today we're going to talk about how do we, and then Scott and then Travis will continue on, and we'll look at what that looks like next for hope, and then how to eventually get our minds wrapped around it. So when we look at Lamentations and, and we see what Lamentations, what, what they've been doing in Jerusalem, we get why God is disciplining them, why the bad things are happening. See, the kings of Jerusalem had decided, we'll worship God, but we'll throw in a few other gods here and there, and we'll just cover all of our bases. 
And as far back as Moses, he had said, if you go after these false gods, there will be judgment. There will be, there will be discipline. And so we get that, right? So if we do something wrong, it makes sense to have discipline. Where we struggle is, what about Job? You know, we went through Job back in the spring of last year, and Job was a righteous man, and he had all these things happen to him, and he loses nearly everything. So we need to see that there's a spectrum that we're going to find ourselves on in our lives. Over here, it's discipline and things that we feel that we deserve, and on the other side, we have things that we don't deserve or we don't have not earned. And so we all fall in that spectrum, right? We're not all as 100% righteous as Job, and we're not all as 100% bad as Jerusalem. So we're on this spectrum. But where lamentation starts, lamentation doesn't start with, oh, bad things happen, bummer, bad luck. No, it starts with, there is no random thing on earth. Nothing happens outside of the sovereign control of God. Now, this year... We've had lots of things that we've been able to mourn about. We've had things that we don't like, that probably, uh, if you're like me, you've complained about. I don't like wearing masks. I don't like social distancing. Right? I, I don't like that we've had to miss out on events in our own church that we couldn't go to, that we couldn't participate in. And all of that. And, and for most of us, we want to lay that blame at either the OHA or at the governor or the government or the president. We want to blame them. But let me say right from the start, we're aiming too low. They are not the ones that are in control, but God is. And that's where the book of Lamentation starts. And let me show you where you see this. Who is it that is destroying Jerusalem? the Babylonians, right? Did Jeremiah say anything about the Babylonians in that, those five verses? You don't have to go back and look. I'll tell you. No, he didn't. He said, God did this. And so if you're watching it from outside and you go, no, no, that was for Babylonian soldiers. That wasn't God. No, God was behind it all. See, Jeremiah is taking us to the bedroll place, which is God is behind it. What's inescapable in the book of Lamentations, and actually throughout the rest of the Bible, is that God is the one who does it. Is the one. Remember in in Job, it says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's a hard thing to pray. But it's very much what the Bible teaches, and it's the goal that the Bible wants us to see. So as we, we look at this and we see God is the, the originator of everything, that doesn't soften our pain or lessen it, but it gives us a direction to take our pain, which is what the purpose of complaining and lamentations is. Because we're all going to have suffering and pain. We're going to have loss and grief. And many of you have already experienced that in your life, if not this week. So screaming out to the void is not going to do anything because there's no one to answer in the void They're sitting in the room screaming on the scream weekend, doing the scream therapy. doesn't solve anything. But instead, we are to scream. We are to cry out to the one who made us, the one who holds us in his hands. So how do we do that? Well, that's what we're going to be answering today. So the first thing we need to do is we need to talk about how we complain. And I was given an analogy from Pastor Travis. So if it falls flat, it's his fault. If it's great, it's still his fault. Okay, so the analogy works like this. 
and unfortunately I do have to say imagine because we can't quite do this right now, but imagine you go to a restaurant to eat at the restaurant, right? You're sitting at the restaurant and you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to just order everything because we haven't been in a restaurant in a long time. I want appetizers. I want milkshakes. I want food. I want dessert. And then maybe a post-dessert dessert, right? I want all of it. And as it comes, it comes and it's not quite right. We get our appetizer and I ordered spinach dip and this is artichoke dip. And I go, oh man, this is terrible. And I turn to the person on the table next to me and I go, you guys see this? This is terrible. You guys fix this. What's wrong? Come on. Ah. And then you eat the artichoke dip anyways or spinach dip. I forget which one I wanted. Then you go to the next part and you get a plate and it's all half cooked and you complain to the person next to you. And then you get mad that nothing changes. But isn't that what we like to do? We like to complain to the people around us as opposed to going to the person responsible. And that's what happens when we don't complain rightly. See, there's two types of complaining. One is the horizontal. And that's where we grab people and we we love the, the misery loves company, right? And then there's the vertical, which is taking it to the throne and saying, God, I don't like this. I don't like the way this feels. I, I don't enjoy this. So think about it. When was the last time you complained? Who was it to? And what was it about? Was it horizontal or did we take it vertical? Now the type of complaining that's that horizontal, that's not the point of this sermon. So you can take a big breath. I'm not going to make you feel bad about complaining because the Bible does say it's grumbling and it is a sin, but that's a different time. Okay, We're going to deal with the vertical one, the going to God. So why is it that we're so much more comfortable if we don't like our masks, if we don't like the social distancing, we don't like all these rules, why do we complain this way but not this way? And honestly, I can't answer that for you because each of us is going to have a different reason why we don't take our complaint to the Lord. Maybe we're scared that we're going to bother the Lord. You know, the Lord's over here trying to stop, you know, he's stopping a tsunami over here and he's like, oh, I got to be bothered with your little complaint. That's not the nature of God, is it? So it's not that. Are, are, we, are we fearful that we're going to get it wrong? Like we complain to God and he goes, huh, you thought that was bad. Quit complaining or I'm going to give you this. Well, that's not the God we serve either, is it? It's not a vindictive God. If we complain, he's not going to then hit us harder. But isn't that kind of the way sometimes we think? Or maybe, and this one's even just as bad as those, maybe we think that God doesn't control all of that. And so sometimes we go, you know, masks is such a small thing that I'm complaining about. Why would I take that to God? Why would I tell God what I feel about it? I'm sure he's got much bigger things to deal with. So search your heart. Why don't we go to God with our complaints? What is the reason behind it? Is it a faulty view of God or is it a faulty view of complaints? Well, I'll let you deal with the faulty view of God I'm going to deal with the complaints part. So let's figure out how to complain rightly. So go back a page to, or it might be on the same page of chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to walk through a couple of examples of complaining here in the book of Lamentations. So 1-9. Her filthiness clung to her skirts. She did not consider her future. Her fall was astounding. There was none to comfort her. Lord, look, Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. Now verse 11. All her people groan as they search for bread. They barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. Look, Lord, consider, for I am despised. Verse 20, see, Lord, how distressed I am. 
I am in torment within. In my heart I am disturbed, for I have been most rebellious. Outside the sword bereaves, inside there is only death. Now skip ahead to chapter 2, verse 20. Look, Lord, and consider whom you have treated like this. And then finally, chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, Lord, what has happened to us. Look and see our disgrace. So what we see in Lamentations is every time there's a complaint, it is vertical. It's calling out to God. It's saying, God, you are the source. See, Jeremiah is specifically pointing us in the direction that says, if God is sovereign over all, meaning he caused it, then he is also sovereign enough to stop it. He's also sovereign enough to hear our complaint and help us with that. So when we return to the, the Job versus lamentation spectrum, right? So you've got the deserved punishment for lamentations, the undeserved punishment for Job. In both of these situations, there's an understanding problem. Job's over here and he goes, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't understand. Over here on this side is they fully understand, but yet they still complain about it. And so what Job and Lamentations allows us to do is if we find ourselves in a situation that we don't like, that we don't understand, or maybe we do, maybe we understand that I sinned and I caused this consequence. Maybe other times I didn't sin, but someone else's sin is hurting me. I don't understand. In both of these, both in Job and Lamentations, we are shown by the Bible that we can take our complaints to the Lord whether we understand or whether we don't. So how do we do it rightly? Well, first off, complaining rightly is about belief. It's about faith. Because notice, it's not complaint just going randomly out into the universe. It's going to a specific source. And there is no better place for us to take our grievances than to the Lord. Face to face, telling Him what we feel. This is what the book of Lamentations and over a third of the Psalms are about when they talk about lament, taking our feelings to the Lord. So we're going to use Jeremiah as an example here. So turn back in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 12. Go to the left a little bit. Jeremiah is a long book, but it's right at the beginning. And we're going to look at how Jeremiah really succinctly lays out how to complain. And he gives us an example. He, he records his complaint so that that way we can learn from it. This is what Jeremiah 12, 1 says. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? What we see here, first off, is look where he goes. He goes to the Lord. He doesn't say the big man upstairs or if anybody happens to be there. He acknowledges he's calling out to the God of the Bible. And so the very first thing is he's recognizing God is Lord and I am not. He's not sitting in judgment over God going, you messed up, God, fix it. He's instead saying, I get it, you're, you're the boss. The second thing is, look at what he says. He says, righteous are you. He's affirming God's right, his goodness, his kindness, his justice. God has a right to do what God wants to do. And then look at, he asks questions. And these questions show two things. One, he's perplexed. He doesn't understand. And he doesn't, Jeremiah just doesn't say, okay, I just need to suck it up, buttercup. No, he says, I don't understand, God. Help me with this. So expressing his perplexity and then asking for understanding. That's how we are to 
complain. We're to recognize God is in control. We are to recognize that He is good. And then we are to bring our perplexities, bring our quest for understanding, and tell Him. See, God wants us to lament because He wants us to draw near to Him. He wants us to hold on to Him. We have this tendency to put on a face that makes it look like nothing's going on when inside we're feeling turmoil or suffocation and we just try to cover it up. Lamenting does not just allow that to happen. Instead, it points it to the Lord. It engages us with the Lord. And ultimately, if the psalmist and if Jeremiah had already decided there's no point, they wouldn't be appealing to God. And so there's this automatic understanding that our belief, our faith informs how we complain. Many times, if you're like me, when bad things happen, we just try to buck up and just get through it, right? Or or try to have a positive attitude, think positive thoughts. And in actuality, that most of the time doesn't work. Just like the scream therapy is one extreme, the other extreme is just think happy thoughts. Scripture does not mandate that we put on a happy face. As a matter of fact, if you read the Psalms and you read these laments, if you're suffering, you're to let it be known. You're to let it out to the Lord. You're to share it with others. Don't put on a happy face. And also, the Scripture doesn't allow us just to wallow, right? We don't get to be Eeyore and just stay down in the muck. Instead, we're to take it to the Lord. See, God is a God of truth, and He wants us to be true with Him. And the Bible doesn't whitewash the emotions of the people in the Bible, does it? As a matter of fact, we see lots of complaining. We see lots of grieving in the Bible. Jeremiah, we had already talked about him, but here's another one. Jeremiah 15, 18, he says, Why is my pain unceasing? My wound is incurable, refusing to be healed. He's protesting to God. You haven't fixed this, God. Job, in Job 7, 11, he complains in bitterness of soul. Habakkuk 1, 2, he mourns and says, How long will I cry and you won't hear me? And then we also see David. David does this several times in Psalm 13. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face? Or in 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Why do you not hear my groaning? So we see in the Bible countless examples of directing complaints, directing questions to the Lord. Now, an astute Bible person might go, wait a second, Pastor John, you're saying we're to complain, but weren't the Israelites punished for their complaining? I seem to remember the Israelites, they weren't just down here. They were varsity-level complainers, right? They complained. It was an art form for the Israelites. So how is that okay for me to complain here, but then Israel's over here complaining? But remember, Israel wasn't complaining to God. Who were they complaining to? They were complaining to each other. They were grumbling. They were grumbling at God. Well, God doesn't do this. Well, God doesn't do that. They even complained to Moses instead of going to God. And so ultimately, this horizontal complaining is not the one we need. Instead, it's to ask the Lord. Take the complaint to the Lord. Let him see it. So now, how do we complain rightly? I'm going to give you four steps in how we complain rightly. The first one is to come humbly to the Lord. So come humble. And there's, there's, there's a kind of a two-step process to this, or two things we need to avoid when we come humble. And when we, we come humble, if we're not having this attitude of humility, we need to confess that. 
So the two things that we see when we, we don't come humble are pride and anger. So we have to confess our pride and our anger to the Lord. See, pride says, God, you owe me answers. This bad thing happened. I want to know exactly why you did it. Lay it all out for me. And if I don't like it, you need to fix it. That's pride. It's me saying, I know better than God. And in Lamentations and in Job, we don't see that God ever steps up and explains it all. Matter of fact, Job doesn't know any of the backstory to Job's story, does he? Job never gets told about what the devil and, say, and, the, devil and the Lord were doing up in heaven before all this stuff happened. Instead, he just was in it. So we need to understand that we are to check our pride at the door because our pride wants it the way we want it, and that's not humbly submitting to the Lord. One of the ways that we can do this is through anger. Anger is a way we say, God, you got it wrong. A few weeks ago, 10 weeks ago, uh, a blogger that I, I, I read a lot of by the name of Tim Challies, or Chalies, he's from Canada, he writes a blog pretty regularly. His son passed away. His son was a seminary student um, and was playing a card game with his sister and just fell over dead. And with all the travel restrictions and all that, you can imagine all of the stuff that he's been dealing with. But after his son had passed away, somebody approached Tim and said, you need to get angry with God. Get angry with him. God can handle it. And Tim Chalice was like, wait, that, that doesn't sound right. I, there's something wrong there. He couldn't quite put his finger on it, so he, he started meditating on the word, and the Lord gave him some interesting thoughts. Here's one of them. He said, in that moment when the person told him to be angry at God, I had to choose whether I could continue to proclaim in the dark what I had celebrated in the light, or whether instead I would allow circumstances to overturn my beliefs. I had to choose whether these doctrines would draw me to God in comfort or alienate me in my anger to God. So he says, I, didn't, I couldn't be angry with God because to be angry with God or to be angry with what God has done is to say God was wrong. God made a mistake. Another author says, when we are angry with someone, we think that person has done the wrong thing. So when we, in our pride, go to God and say, God, you messed up, that may be what we're feeling. I'm not saying hide that feeling. I'm saying take that feeling to the Lord and confess it and say, this is wrong. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Lord, help. Because when we're angry with God, we're doubting his goodness. We're doubting his control. We're doubting that he is the God of the Bible. So what happens when I feel like this, that he got it wrong? Our, 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 what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take that to him and let him know. Again, confessing it to him. Some will hear that when I say you, you're not, you shouldn't be angry with God, that we should, again, be hypocrites and hide it and, and cover it up. No, we are to confess that we shouldn't be angry with God and take it to him and say, Lord, I, need, I, I don't understand this. I am angry because this is the way it should be, and it's over here. Help me, Lord. I feel anger and confess it. So the first one is come humbly. The second is pray the Bible. Pray the Bible. Biblical lament and biblical promises are incredible things to pray back to God. You're calling on God to keep his word. His word does not come back void. So praying the Bible. 
Now, the promises in the Bible may be hard to pray when you're grieving. And isn't it awesome that we have laments to do this? I mean, this is what Jesus did, right? He's on the, on the cross feeling pain that we could never even understand, and he prays a psalm back to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So think about it like this. When we look at these laments, these, 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 you know, these crying out to God in the Bible, they're in the Bible for a reason. And that reason is it's saying it's okay to complain to the Lord like this. It's okay to cry out to God like this. It's okay to ask, why, Lord? How long, Lord? Is this going to never end, Lord? And we see these. And there are countless examples, and I encourage you, if you need to know the why or the how, and it's just weighing on you, go to the Psalms. There are countless examples. Here's one. Psalm 10.1. Why, O Lord, are you afar off? Why do you hide your face? You ever felt like the Lord was distant? Right here. Cry out to Him. Why are you far away? Other Psalms, Psalm 44, 23, Psalm 80, verse 12, and just countless examples. If you need them, I have more on the paper. We can also ask the Lord, how? How, how is this going to work out? How, how is this going to go? In Psalm 35, verse 17, how long, O Lord? He's asking, how much longer of this do I have to have? How much longer? So we come to God humbly, we pray the Bible back to Him, and then Third, we're honest with him. Tell him what we're feeling. Now, sometimes what we're feeling can be sin, right? If we're feeling pride or we're feeling anger. But other times, we just have a whole gamut of feelings. And we're to bring them to him and let him know. Because honestly, he already knows. He already knows how we're feeling. But yet he wants us to tell him. You know, I think about playing with my kids outside. And any of my three, all three of my kids at some point have fallen and hurt themselves and they cry out, daddy or mommy. And of course, you know, especially early on, you go running to them immediately. What is it? And we do in our heads, we do our mental assessment. Does it hospital worthy? Is it first aid worthy? Is it band-aid worthy? Is it, oh, no big deal. Rub some dirt on it. You're fine. Dirty, right? Is that, what is it? And I look at it and I go, when my kids fall, not only do they want the, the problem fixed, but they also want the comfort from me. They want the hug. They want the kiss on the forehead or the kiss on the boo-boo or whatever it is. And I am a finite man and I can only provide this much. Now imagine, imagine a God who is infinite. How much comfort does he have waiting for us when we cry out and we say, this is not, this did not, this hurts, this, whatever it may be. God wants us to cry out in our big and our small problems because he wants to hear it. He wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to confess it to him. Because we have to remember, he is a compassionate father. And the Bible promises, here's a promise for you. You can pray this back to him. Psalm 10, 17. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will lean in. You will incline your ear to them. That's the God we serve. That's the God we can call on. 2 Corinthians 7, 6. But God, you are the one who comforts the downcast. So when we draw near to him in all of our brokenness, he reminds us, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm here to comfort you. 
And see, this ties back to that anger discussion a second ago. When we feel those anger thoughts that are sinful, that we should not be angry at God, we confess it to Him and we go, Lord, I shouldn't feel this way. Help, help. And the Lord is faithful and just and His goodness and His wisdom will help us. Remember, thanks to the death of Christ on the cross, God's perspective on us, His his default setting is one of mercy towards us. And when we confess what we're feeling, if it's a sin, if it's just the feeling we're feeling, He is there to heal. He is there to draw near to us. So our fourth thing we do, so we've got our come humbly, pray the Bible, be honest. The fourth is don't stay in your complaining. Don't stay in your complaining. Don't get stuck there. See, lament does not give us the right to sit and wallow. It does not give us the right to stay in that grieving and that complaining. See, our complaints are a means to an end. Just like a surgeon's scalpel, the first cut is not the solving of the problem. It's whatever they do once they open you up and they do the work inside. Same thing goes for complaining. Complaining is just the first cut. Complaining is just the means to the end for the Lord to begin the healing process, which we'll get into even more in the coming weeks. But lament loses its power if all it does is lead to more lamenting. The goal of lament is to draw closer to the Lord, to draw near to God. So, Come humbly, all right? Be, be honest with God. Pray the Bible. Don't just stay in your complaining. Now, as we finish here, the encouragement that I have in all of this is that our lament is not the end of the story. It's, it's the story not only for us right now, but it's the story for all of creation. We groan and we long for this world to not be the way it is. The world itself longs for that. Look at what Romans 8 says. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in childbirth, the pains of childbirth until now. So all of creation is joining us. There's this cry of, this is not the way it should be. And God's promise is, this is not the end of the story. This, this, this grieving and this pain is not the end of it. And that would be great news by itself. But there's even better news. And the better news is, the one who came and died for us, who's bringing that into our time, he came and experienced all that we did. All of the grieving and complaining, all of the the pain he has experienced. Look at what Hebrews 4.15 says. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are and yet without sin. Jesus experienced it. So when we cry out to God, he knows what we're feeling. He has literally experienced it and he will comfort us. He doesn't promise to remove the situation. He doesn't promise that it'll change immediately, but he promises himself. So when we complain, we need to understand this is us drawing near to him and he promises to draw near to us. When we have things in our life that don't go the way we want, we're to draw near to him. He is the only solution. 
Comfort comes from us aligning our will with God and drawing near to Him. Peace flows when we bless Him in our grief as we did in our joys. For His love is constant. His character is perfect. His actions are reproachable. And the taking as much as in the giving. God is good. God wants you to draw near to Him. Take your complaints to Him. He will hear them and He will draw near to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the promises that you've given us today, Lord. Thank you for these laments that we can lift up to you. Lord, I know that everyone in the sound of my voice has had pain in one way, shape, or form. And every single one is unique, and every single one is painful in a unique way. But Lord, we know that you see that pain, and you know what they need. And what we need is more of you. So Lord, I pray that we would take our complaints to you, that we would offer them up, and that we would draw nearer to you. Lord, help us in that. Lord, we need your spirit to be able to do that and do it well. Lord, thank you for this day and bless us now as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.